Every blank wall is an opportunity to tell a story, a story that inspires, informs, or simply delights. In this podcast, we'll dive into the who, what, and why of mural art making so that more murals can get made and so the world can become a more beautiful place, one wall at a time. This is Morgan, and welcome to another episode of If These Walls Could Talk. Hey, everybody. I'm super happy to be back with season two of If These Walls Could Talk. It's been a minute. I think it took me about a year to get up to speed on the fact I wouldn't be able to do in-person interviews. And I love talking to my guests in person. But I'm going to move forward with season two with Zoom interviews. And also, conveniently, my 15th episode of season one, where I did a monologue was my most popular episode last year with the most downloads. So I was also thinking I might do some more monologue style podcasts, which I'm going to attempt today with my first episode of the second season. And one of the reasons I'm going to do a monologue is that during the time off, I wrote a book. And I actually talked about this in my episode 15 also, that the book wasn't getting written, even though I had wanted to. Well. COVID kind of kept me grounded and in the house for an extended period of time. So I finally had the perfect opportunity to get all the ideas that had been stewing in my brain on paper. And something I learned in the process of writing a book is that book production is very expensive. And so I had so much to say, but the book would have been way out of price range. So I took all the content I wrote and chopped it in about half in order to meet the price point of $12.95 that I wanted to be able to sell my book for. Basically, I was very economical with every single word and chapter in that book. And I thought it would be fun to just expand on some of the content I put in the book, why it's in there. And in particular, I just thought I'd start this week with talking about why I included a chapter on school murals. Like, why is the Mural Artist Handbook have a whole chapter dedicated to school murals? So that's what I want to talk about today. I've got this little book in my hand. If you don't have a copy yet, I want to say you can get it on Amazon. It's not at independent bookstores yet, but I am working on that. So in the meantime, just go ahead and pick it up on Amazon. But with the book, I decided to use an approach that I suggest to artists who come to me and say, I want to get started painting murals. I don't know where to start. And what I always say is start first in your house, start in your grandmother's house, start on a friend's wall, just start painting murals because you learn so much in your first five or 10 projects. And then residential murals are just a natural progression from that. It's just, you just get your creative voice down, you get your working style down, you learn to work efficiently, you know, on a large scale. So the book kind of walks you through, hey, go ahead, start at residential. And then I put the school murals in there as a transition to public murals. Because a lot of artists, they want right away to have their art in public spaces. And that's great, but you're not often going to be able to find paid work in public spaces right away until you really build a real following and a real identity around your work. But what I like about school murals, the reason it's in there, there's like 
a dozen reasons. So I guess I should start with top 12 reasons why I think school murals are so important and why I dedicated a chapter to them. So first of all, just on an individual level, as an artist progressing, a school mural is going to offer a larger wall than most residential. And also there's going to be a larger collaboration component. So with a residential mural, you have a single client. Whereas with a school, you might have to get the design approved by the district, by the PTA. You might be collaborating with you know, a room full of school kids. So it really requires some creative collaboration. And I think that's built into more commercial and public projects is that you have to learn how to integrate creative collaboration so that the project is as site-specific and specific to the client as possible. Like every community has a different flavor, history, focus, intention, and that can be worked into the design of a mural in a collaborative process. You're getting feedback about what would be most relevant here and why. So the school mural project introduces that aspect because you're thinking about what is the culture of this school? Who goes to school here? Why is this you know, school unique? Or how can we celebrate the community here? So school murals really give you practice in thinking like that. The other huge opportunity about schools is that they're built with this stark utilitarian architecture. So a lot of school walls don't have many windows. You know, you have multi-purpose rooms or auditoriums or, you know, the entrance to a school is often just a huge blank wall. They were just built that way. It's cost efficient. And since the time that a lot of schools were built in the last 20, 30 years, culture around education has changed to be more play-based and to feel safe and feel, I guess, more social, emotional learning. I think education pedagogy used to be a little bit more hierarchical and organizational and, you know, learning behavior compliance. And there's less of that. Now it's like, well, if we get our kids' hearts to open up, their creativity is actually probably what's going to be the most important skill and their ability to work collaboratively and feel good working with others. And so there's a different emphasis in how kids are taught and what the expectation is for school culture. So that can be tapped into with mural art, which makes a school friendlier to be on, approachable. And it can celebrate the changing demographics, which so many schools are going through right now. So where I am in the Bay Area, there's a lot of immigrants in every school. And painting a mural that celebrates inclusivity sets a statement right up front. Like we are all in this together in our community. We are changing we are learning and we are going to have art that represents our whole community as it is now, not as it was 30 or 40 years ago. So um, a mural art can really incorporate that. Another great thing about mural art is it's cheap relative to other campus upgrades. So a school that's considering putting in a garden or even benches or all sorts of playground upgrades, painting a mural like on the ground of a playground can transform how the playground feels and it's not very expensive. Particularly with playgrounds, you can recruit volunteers. I'm going to take a little detour from the awesome list of things that I love about school murals and just say, a lot of schools right away will say, hey, can our kids help paint the murals? I, in general, don't love that idea. And 
I don't execute collaborative murals with students for a couple of reasons. One is that painting is a skill and you have to fill in all the blanks. You don't want to drip and you want to stick with it for an hour or two. And there's a lot of logistical issues. So when kids paint, the artist becomes a little bit more like a manager for short-term attention spans and drips. And actual quality of the art isn't going to be the same caliber. So if you really want a long-term expression of beauty that sort of reflects the professionalism of the administration and the teachers and the art should be of the same caliber of the education being offered, I think. And the art created by the kids is different and shouldn't be considered a permanent work of art. It could be done on panels. It's more experiential. It's more about the kids' participation. If it's about that, it's not about a long-term work of art for the school. It's a project. So it should be considered a bit more short-term. And also the outcome would have lower expectations on how relevant it is once those kids graduate or the year's up. Is that artwork still going to send a message that's exciting for the whole school You know, in five or 10 years? So all those things need to be considered. And when kids get involved, you know, when kids do the dishes and as they leave some dirt on it or they lose attention or they break a dish or stuff like that, it's just a different experience than even working with parent volunteers, which I do encourage sometimes. It can be used to offset the price depending on the type of mural, but having a couple parent volunteers base coat the wall or fill in large areas. Unskilled adults can actually be somewhat helpful in a limited way. So that is something that I do sometimes because I know price is an issue for schools. So I just want to say something about school budgets because I think there's two things that limit more murals getting made at schools. And actually, they're both mindsets. The first is that schools are focused on educating kids. Art isn't their specialty. Districts are concerned about legal compliance and they're concerned about, you know, not getting sued. And does this check the boxes? Because there's just, they have a lot of boxes to check and there's a system that they're trying to run. Whether that environment feels touchy-feely, like good in quotes, you know, it's really a hard metric to track whether the investment in the mural has payoff. Anybody that walks on campus with murals can feel the difference of how welcoming and beautiful and, oh, cared for. You would feel like the campus put some effort in how it looks and feels. That's not a metric that's easily measurable for the district. So they are not going to initiate per se, and they might have some resistance. And the principal tends to align more with the district. You know, the principals can in general be a little bit more wary of a mural art project because they just want to make sure you know, are they going to get sued? Are they going to offend anybody? Are they going to be criticized for investing in art if they need more laptops for kids? So they just have a lot of other variables they are trying to balance against. So most typically successful mural projects have an art advocate that is either a teacher or a PTA, somebody on the PTA, or somebody from the community who instigates the idea and really advocates for it. And hopefully the principal and the district warms up to it and they're open to it, but they're less likely to initiate because that isn't their core competency and they take a risk. 
it's a perceived risk. In my mind, it's not a real risk, but there's a culture risk around, you know, bringing a mural on campus. So that is one obstacle is I would say the management mindset doesn't necessarily always feel arms wide open to something like a mural project because that's outside of their core educational competency. And then the second thing is, obviously with schools, it's budget. And so schools are not corporations and they're not private residences. So they don't automatically start getting more money by having a friendly work environment for the kids or for the teachers. You know, if a business looks cosmetically good, like a restaurant, you know, more people want to eat there. A business is a beautiful location, retail location. More people want to shop there. If a home is really well appointed, it's going to have a higher value and people enjoy it more immediately. The things we inherently value are not necessarily integrated into schools because they don't have that tangible value feedback loop. I'm not sure if there's a better way to say it. And so they're not necessarily a budget for fine art at schools. But I want to say to this point in my experience, where I have seen projects find money within school budgets, because they say, well, who's going to pay for it? Here's who's going to pay for it. There's about six different places that funding for a school mural could come from. The first is PTA funds. Sometimes there have been fundraisers uh, that the PTA does. Sometimes they have discretionary fund in their budget. The second is a school has a curriculum budget. So if they either have like California history or social emotional learning, like sometimes the, the flavor, the theme, the subject of the mural can tie in with a curriculum and you can find some funding from a curriculum that it supports. Another one is facilities maintenance. So a walls do get repainted for a school. There is a budget for that in the district. So maintenance, that's a capital improvement. So there's a budget for that that can be tapped into. Another is the principal's discretionary budget. And this is something every principal has pet projects that they want to work on within the school. And I have had a handful of principals initiate the mural projects and it's frequently around a culture change they're trying to make at their school. So for example, at a mural I did in Oakland, the principal really wanted to focus on their emphasis of reading and writing, just basic literacy skills. And so the mural emphasized that and emphasized the celebrated students headed towards university track. So she was very specific that, hey, we want to inspire these kids to something bigger and get that core literacy down because there was kind of a negligence of the basics going on in that school. I'm not sure the specifics, but she got really clear that it was an important message from the front of the school. So we had artwork that celebrated student literacy, winning academic awards, working on math problems, headed to college, that kind of thing. And another principal that used her discretionary fund for a mural wanted to celebrate some values that the school collectively had come up with a core of six or seven values that they wanted to promote on campus for campus culture. She used her discretionary fund to get artwork integrated on the entrance of this uh, school on the ground, the entrance that celebrated those values. So she used her principal's discretionary fund. Another source of funding is graduating classes, sixth grade graduating class, eighth grade graduating class, senior class gift. 
or sometimes like Boy Scout projects are funded. Eagle Scout projects have some funding and they come with a gift. I have a project right now that came about because a teacher unexpectedly passed away in the middle of her career. And she was very beloved. And so her family and the other teachers wanted to create something that celebrated her legacy. And they decided a mural was going to be a unique way to do that. Isn't a mural of her? It's a mural that all the students will enjoy, but the funds that were collected by people who wanted to commemorate her were used to create a dedicated space on campus for emotional well-being, sort of like a a break room for kids. And so that is where the mural is going to go. Another source of fund is when a teacher retires. People want to donate and celebrate the legacy of a teacher who's been someplace for 30 years. That can raise a lot of funds towards a school mural project. So budget is always an issue ongoing because there's so many worthwhile competing priorities. And the metrics of having art on campus are hard to quantify. But still, you know the difference. When a school looks well cared for, you can find like-minded individuals who know that how a school looks and feels makes a difference. And there are opportunities. And it usually takes somebody inside the school. So just in wrapping up, I just hope that any parent feels empowered with this information to understand that there are openings to find budget resources to have a professional mural created on the school campus and that it does really make a difference. And mostly I hear the after effects. After I've painted a mural, the teachers will send me photos of, you know, the class, like all of a sudden every year for the yearbook, the class photos are taken in front of the mural. And now they are using the banner in their, you know, weekly newsletter from the principal. And, you know, when the school mascot comes out for school activities, all of a sudden they're in front of a beautiful mural. Kids find things and point it out. I mean, when you're new on campus, the first thing you do is, oh, look at the campus as a mural. It does make a difference in how kids, staff, community experience the school when there's a welcoming mural. And just a final thing I want to say about school murals is, especially for artists listening, but both, A school mural doesn't have to be cartoony or overly kiddy. You know, beautiful art, it doesn't have words in it. It is understandable for all age groups. A well-executed, interesting piece of art. So I would actually, I think there's plenty of room for all types of artists, all sorts of creative expression to create artwork that is appropriate for even an elementary school campus that's just beautiful and interesting and unique and celebrate some aspect of that school that is positive, you know, that they want to celebrate as the welcome mat for the school. So I guess, you know, that I didn't say all of that in my book with such enthusiasm through the words. (laughs) You know, I had to keep it really limited, but essentially I wanted to unpack that and say, When I go to school campuses, I see so many large windowless blank walls. And I think there's a huge opportunity. And I see playgrounds that are just swaths of black. Paint is so cheap. 
getting the hands and the colors and the ideas on the ground to transform that playground into, you know, a pond and a leapfrog and rainbow, you know, United States and games. I mean, there's engagement games you can paint on the ground. There's tons of inspiration out there. It's the first step of just a little bit of creative engagement and it makes such a difference. So that's one change that I hope that my book makes is starts to challenge people's thinking around it's hard to make a living as a mural artist. Nobody wants to do it or there's not enough money or, you know, there's huge untapped potential in the form of blank walls at schools and there is budget and there is a huge impact you make for generations and generations of children that will attend that school in the future. It's a big impact. So that's what I wanted to say today with my first episode of season two. And I hope it's useful. And I plan to do just a couple of these deep dive conversations, just monologues, taking pieces from my book that I might want to unpack a little bit more. And I also have some interviews coming up. I'm super excited about And I appreciate you joining me on this journey. We are just a small tribe, but hopefully a growing tribe. And um, I look forward to another exciting season of sharing whatever I learn along the way with you guys. So thanks for listening and we'll catch up soon. Take care. Thank you so much for joining me today. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate and review this podcast so that more artists and art advocates can find and enjoy this content. Until next time, happy painting.